Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Catholic retailers, business owners, and ministry leaders. Don't miss the Catholic Marketing Network Momentum 2019 event. Attend seminars that teach how to apply best business practices to any kind of business or ministry. Experience one-of-a-kind networking opportunities and browse the trade show exhibit hall full of Catholic resources and gifts from all over the world. Visit catholicmarketing.com trade show page to find out how you can be a part of this event that helps Catholics build personal and professional momentum. Celebrate our God-given freedom and faith while honoring our Blessed Mother with Girelli's USA Rosary. Each state is represented on this rosary's 50 beads. Red, white, and blue enamel adorn its patriotic crucifix. Get yours today. Shop www.ghirelli.com. Mary's Touch, real-life stories of Mary's love. I really do feel that Mary had a role in bringing me back to the Catholic Church. He reminded me that Mary was my mom. I always fell upon if I needed a desperate prayer, I always called to Mary. I could see that Mary had a hand in this. She began to speak to my heart. Mary's Touch, real-life stories of Mary's love. Hi, everyone. This is Alexis Walkenstein. Welcome to Mary's Touch, the show that brings you real-life stories of Mary's love and real stories of people living a bold witness of their Catholic faith. Today's guest is a very special guest, my dear friend and sister in Christ, Rebecca Freck. Rebecca is a Catholic author, speaker, CrossFit coach, the managing editor of the Catholic Conspiracy website, and a regular contributor for the National Catholic Register. She is the author of the best-selling book, Teaching in Your Tiara, a homeschooling book for the rest of us, and the soon-to-be-released Can We Be Friends, published by Our Sunday Visitor. Rebecca and her husband are the proud parents of eight amazing children and one lucky son-in-law. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Hi, Alexis. Thanks so much for having me. You know, God always puts the most incredible people in my life and in the most unlikely bizarre situations to boot. And um, we're going to talk about your book, Can We Be Friends?, which I think is completely necessary in today's culture, in our world, with fractured relationships. And we're going to dive into that. And when people read the book, they'll get what I'm saying. But I I like to call you my Chick-fil-A friend. (laughs) I am your Chick-fil-A friend. Yes, you're my Chick-fil-A friend. And, um, and you know, we've lived our friendship virtually over the phone and through social media. Thank God for social media. But you've literally written the book on friendship, which I think is so exciting. And nobody has done this. And so I'm really excited to just get into the, to the content of that. But I want to back it up to really who you are um, and introduce you to, to people who haven't heard of you and haven't heard your story, which I think is fascinating. You, you didn't have faith. You, were, you, you, know, you kind of came into the church you know, as a revert in a, in a powerful way. And your husband had a great impact on that and his family and you know, spiritual friendship and parenthood. Um, and you also have an amazing story about the Blessed Mother. So I wanted to start the program with you sharing a little bit about your background. Okay. So I was actually raised Catholic, but we're going to put that in air quotes. Like I was raised Catholic. Right. Um, <laughs> in the seven, like mid to late 70s, early 80s, um, when my parents were very hippie Catholics. 
So people who are maybe not quite the same generation that I am may have no frame of reference for that, but I can remember very clearly one um, Easter Sunday morning during the processional for Easter Mass, and my mother and the other ladies from the choir uh, proceeding farther down the aisle with their ribbons on sticks as they danced their way down the aisle to tambourines. <laughs> so that was my Catholic upbringing. And then in uh, my mid-teen years, uh, my mom had a very horrible car accident that left her mentally and physically uh, disabled. Mm. And I um, became very, very angry at God. My mother was the only constant in my life. My father was in the military. We moved constantly. He was always he was in the Navy, so he was always on cruise six to nine months, and then mm. would come home for three or four and then leave again. And so my mother was a constant in my life, and she was home. You know, wherever mom was, that was home. And then there was this horrific car accident that left her brain damaged, and she had a giant personality shift. She was not the same person that I knew, and I became very, very angry with God. Mm. And I was about 14, 15, right around in there, and I told my father one Sunday morning, I'm not going to Mass. I don't believe that there's a God. If there is a God, I don't like him. Um, and I refused to worship him, and I am staying home. And I absolutely, I mean, my father threw every punishment in the book at me, you know. If you don't go to Mass, all of these things are going to happen. And I said, I don't care, punish me. I'm staying home. Mm -hmm. I would be a hypocrite to go. And didn't go back to Mass. I mean, just stayed absolute and resolute in my refusal to go. And then, um, so I was, I kind of believed that maybe there was a God, but wasn't sure I wanted to worship him. And became a very devout agnostic. I just, I lived in the world of I don't know, and I really don't want to find out. Mm. And so then I met my Comfortably husband. in the dark. Comfortably in the dark, exactly. Um, and I met my husband, who was also, you know, very nice agnostic. He had been raised Lutheran, but they were kind of nominal. They didn't really go, um, which was very comfortable for both of us, because mm. nobody challenged anything except my grandmother. My father's mother said to me one day, and this becomes important later, um, she said to me, Rebecca Lynn, there is going to come a day when God is going to have enough of your foolishness. <laughs> and when that day comes, the Almighty is going to demand that you hit your knees before him. Wow. And you are going to have two options. You are either going to do it willingly, or he is going to put his hand upon your head and shove you to your knees. Wow. And she said, in my love, I am afraid for you that you are a shoved-to-them kind of girl. Wow, what a grandmother. Oh, she was a daily communicant. She was amazing, God rest her soul. And that was Just, the, the, the impetus for the, you know, later on when you came into the church, the, the blog theme called Shoved to Them. My blog was shoved to them for, a lot, for 10 years. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yes, and so because I, that was how it took God literally shoving me to my knees, removing every support around me until I collapsed. Mm. Um, at his feet the self -will. Uh, in order for me to be weak enough to admit that I needed him. Mm. How powerful. So for those grandmothers out there listening to Mary's Touch right now, you have an influence on your children and your grandchildren. And there's a place and a time to be that bold because souls are at stake. Absolutely. Speak out and, and be bold and say to them, these things are coming. You know, this is the truth. And she was the only person who looked at me and said, this is important. And she, and she would cry. She would sit in front of me and say, I love you so much, and you're going to hell. Wow. 
Wow. Um, and, and she would say, that just breaks my heart because your grandfather and I eventually will work our way through purgatory and, and, and be with God, we believe. And, and she said, but you, my friend, you have turned your back on him and you are going to hell. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she told me every day, every morning she would go to mass and she would call me and when she got home and she would say, I just went to mass. I just prayed for you. Have you come back to God yet? And I would say, grandma, there is no God. And she would go, yep, still going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> no, pulling no punches. No, none. I mean, you know, that's where I get it from. I have these really strong women. So if we fast forward a few years, my husband and I got married in the Lutheran church because it made his family happy. Mm. And by that time, I had no family of origin to mm. speak of. My family fell apart after my mother's car accident. Mm. Um, we say my father abdicated his role. The rest of my family kind of scattered to the wind. And so it ended up being me and my younger brother and one aunt. And that was all that was left of this huge family. Mm. And I had a gigantic family before this, but we didn't realize my mother was the glue. Yeah. that held everyone together. Um, and that had to leave you feeling very broken in many ways. Very abandoned. And mm. so, you know, I have learned as a parent that children model their image of God based upon their parents and the, the family around them. You know, God is your heavenly father. And you really do, as a child, mirror your, your image of God mm. based upon the love of your parents. And so when everybody leaves you, mm. you go why would I bother? Because everybody leaves me. Right. So we got married in the Lutheran church, as nice agnostic people do, and um, went to church every Sunday with my husband's grandparents because his grandfather would buy us breakfast afterwards. So there's (laughs) another hint. If you have grandchildren who aren't going to mass, feed them, (laughs) offer to buy them breakfast afterwards. We were very poor college students, and very often that was our big meal of the week. He would buy us a big breakfast. Um, and so then we had our, um, we got married. We were going to wait 10 years to have children. Um, we have our honeymoon baby, Madeline. <laughs> <laughs> God, God was like, yeah, no, I don't know what you people are talking about. You're, you need a baby right away. <laughs> and then three years later, we had our son, Wyatt. And Wyatt is my shoved to them baby. Ah. Wyatt was born 10 weeks pre, And every, my grandmother died um, around the time that Madeline was conceived. Mm. And so she's actually named after her. My grandmother was Marie Magdalene. Mm. And can't get into more Catholic than that. Um, right. So then we had Wyatt three years later, and he was born 10 weeks premature wow. and weighed three pounds oh. and was 18 inches long. Uh, my daughter had dolls that were bigger and heavier than he wow. was. He was so tiny, and we couldn't hold him or even touch him for the first two weeks of his life. Oh, my goodness. And then um, at about three and a half, four weeks old, I get this phone call from the hospital, and they said, you need to come now. He's dying. And I had just started to pray with him in the NICU because really, you know, they say there's no atheists in a foxhole. There's no atheists in a NICU either. Right. Um, everybody prays in the NICU whether you believe it or not. Um, but so they called us at four weeks old and said, he's dying Oh. And you need to come so that he can die in his mother's arms. Wow. And the worst call made, you could get. You know, and I made that 43 minute drive in about 25 minutes. Mm. You know, don't tell anybody, I don't need the ticket from that. It's been a few years. <laughs> <laughs> so I walked in, and there my child was green. I mean, he looked like he was already dead. Um, and I could see just barely his chest moving. And my husband is sitting there holding his hand, and we had been united in our support of our son and our love and this whole enduring this whole thing this whole trial of our son and he was my last rock to lean upon with Mm. my husband 
And as I walk in, I hear my husband say to our son, it's okay to die. Mm. This is too hard. If you hurt too much, it's okay to die. I give you my permission. You have already fought long and hard. Mm. You have already done more than we could ever ask of you. Your whole body hurts. I can see that you're tired. I'm your dad. I'm giving you permission. It's okay to let go. Mm. And I have never been so angry at my husband in my whole life. Mm. <laughs> Don't give my baby permission to die. Right. You were fighting. The mother, the mother instinct was kicking in. Oh, my gosh. He was the last person on my side. And here he was stepping back and going, nope, I can't hold you up in this fight. It's up to him what he wants to do now. Mm. And the moment he said that, I just collapsed to the floor mm. and just started sobbing. Uh, it just collapsed to my knees and just started sobbing. And at that moment, I finally, I just started begging God for the life of my child. Mm. So not all of a sudden, probably within the next 20 minutes, he started to pink up Wow! Um, as I'm begging God for his life. And they put him on my chest and they'd taken a bunch of the wires and things off of him because they thought he was dying. So I really got to feel him without wires and other things. And I just, I sat there holding him. And as I'm holding him and sobbing and thanking God, the God that I hadn't believed in 20 minutes before. Right. Uh, for the life of my child, I could hear these words of my grandmother, God is going to remove all of your support mm. until you hit your knees before him. Wow. And I just went, oh my gosh. This was the point of grace. This is the point of grace. And so we have said to our, our son many times, we say, you know, your sister made us a family and you gave us faith. Thank you for our children because that that's really what happens. A lot of parents say, you know, that something in parenthood can really break them with, with their children. And in this case, your second child, incredible. You know, you you had the fierce love of a mother to rush in for your child. And that really brings me to my next portion of what I want to talk about, which is Our Lady Undoer of Knots. I'm sure that that moment opened up just the whole life that was waiting for you in the church, and it was a process. Um, and God took you through that process to reentry into the church. And then in your in your formed years, you had an experience with Our Lady Undoer of Knots. Tell us about that. So I was, you know, at 22 or 23 when our son was born, very uncatechized, as a lot of us coming out of the 80s were. And I had never even heard of a novena. Like, I didn't even know what this was. So in my late, uh, third, like, 30, I was 37, 38 years old and really began to discover novenas. And I'm kind of the novena queen, as you know personally. Like, I love them. <laughs> um, so four years ago, our now 14-year-old daughter was 10 and was paralyzed by a mystery. She was paralyzed by a mystery. Over the course of about nine weeks, um, her muscles started losing strength one by one by one from her knees down to her toes. And we watched this happening. Mm. And we took her to all kinds of specialists, and nobody had any answers. And very often they didn't even know what to test. And so we just watched her progress from this very athletic girl who was a very gifted ballerina into a girl who was now using a wheelchair. And nobody could answer the question for us of, you know, what is happening to, to this child. So um, after about a year and a half of searching and just hitting roadblocks and dead ends and doctors going, I don't even know enough to know who to refer you to. Like I've never, literally never seen this before. And so we sat down with our daughter and we said, we think we need to stop because we are doing nothing but running from appointment to appointment. And clearly you have stabilized. She'd been stable about a year. And we've talked to our family physician, and he agrees with us that it's okay to stop, at least for now. 
um, and we can look again later if we need to. And she was done. Her therapist that she saw that kind of helped her deal with losing her, the use of her legs said mm-hmm. to us, she's really done. She's just done. And then we said, mm-hmm. okay, well, you know, we need to walk away. Well, so a year later, we were at the National Wheelchair Basketball Championships, and she has become in a year a very talented basketball player. She's always an athlete, but a very talented player. And we had several different college coaches standing on the sideline, and they're watching her, and they said, oh, my gosh, who is she? And I said, she's my daughter. And they said, okay, well, what's her injury? Because in college wheelchair basketball, they have to have an injury for the Paralympic rules. And I said, well, she's undiagnosed. And all three of them hung their heads. They're standing side by side. And I go, oh, well, I would have loved to have had her on my team. She could have gone to the Olympics. I could have given her a full-ride scholarship to college, but not if she's undiagnosed. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be right back with Rebecca Freck. She's the author of Can We Be Friends? And you're going to hear the powerful story of Undoer of Knots and about her book in just a minute. Stay with us. The Faith and Freedom Minute explores the intersection of our Catholic faith and modern American culture offering insights to understand and navigate the divide between secular viewpoints and our Catholic principles. Brought to you by the Knights of Columbus, here is Texas State Deputy Douglas Oldmixon. Our first and most cherished freedom, religious liberty, is to be enjoyed by all Americans, including those who serve the needs of children, wrote three bishops in a letter to the sponsors of the proposed Child Welfare Provider Inclusion Act. Some faith-based providers have been excluded from adoption and foster care services because the providers act on their belief that all children deserve to be placed with a married mother and father. The bishops noted, The act would remedy this unjust discrimination by enabling all providers to serve the needs of parents and children in a manner consistent with their religious beliefs and moral convictions. The Inclusion Act protects religious freedom and excludes no one. We call for its passage. Will you join us? This has been the Knights of Columbus Faith and Freedom Minute. To learn more about the effective witness and practical works of the world's largest Catholic family organization, please visit our website at kofc.org. That's kofc.org. This is Alexis Walkenstein with Mary's Touch, and my special guest today is the amazing and talented and beautiful Rebecca Freck. Before the break, we were talking about her life of faith, being agnostic, coming back into the Catholic Church, the grace of a grandmother to be the impetus to pray her back in, and being shoved to her knees, shoved to them when she became a mom and her second child was on the brink of death. And from there, another trial in her life with her daughter, who became paralyzed by a mysterious illness. And then, Rebecca, we were just kind of talking about all of the things that could have happened for your child had she had her ability to walk in her legs, the function of her legs. That had to be just unbelievably challenging as a mom. It was so hard. But, you know, she would tell you herself that actually she thinks her paralysis is an answer to prayer. Um, she has juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, and so it always hurt to walk. She developed it at about seven, mm. and she said, you know, when I was about eight, I started praying to God that it would stop hurting when I walked. Mm. And then she said, and when I was about nine, I started praying that my legs would just stop hurting. And she's like, you know, Mom, everybody acts like this is a horrible thing, but my legs don't hurt anymore. Mm. Wow, what a little saint. She's amazing. So, yeah, I was right before the break telling the story of how we got our diagnosis. So we were at the national championships for her basketball team, and everybody said she needs a diagnosis or she can't play in college. 
And I explained it to her, and she was just kind of, eh. She goes, I really don't want to see another doctor. And I said, okay, one. Give me one. And she goes, okay, you get one. That's it, one. And I said, okay. <laughs> so we come home, and I'm like, I don't know who to take her to. Nobody knows. So I start Marianne Dewar of Knot, because I think this is a knot if ever there was one. Right. And on the ninth day, um, I finished it in the morning, and about two hours later, my older son, Lincoln, uh, who's our third, was coming down the stairs and um, actually was jumping down the stairs, being silly with his little brothers, and landed wrong and broke his foot. Hmm. So he broke his foot, and we ended up going to a podiatrist. And um, we go in there, and he is the, the Gomer Pyle. I mean, like, I, younger people probably don't know, but he's all, hey, y'all, how's it going? And, <laughs> and the whole time I'm sitting there going, I cannot believe this man is a doctor. But he's looking at my son's foot, and the whole time this voice in my head goes, he's a foot doctor, and her feet don't work. He's a foot doctor, and her feet don't work. Right. So I said to him, I go, um, you know, Dr. Britt, by the way, we have this mystery child. And I start to tell him, and he says, send me all of her files. And I said, that's like six inches thick. And he's like, what am I going to do? I have free time. Send me her files. And he said, I'll, I'll think on it. While I, he goes, you know, I'm a podiatrist. While I'm cutting out ingrown toenails, I'll be thinking about your mystery. Ah. And so... He read through them, and two weeks later, he emails me, and he said, I know what's wrong with her. Amazing. Uh-huh, right? And nobody knows. I mean, we've been to specialists all over Dallas, like the top of the top. And here's this podiatrist in Wiley, Texas, which is like he lives, or his office is three blocks from my house. Mm. And we go in there and take her to him, and she's very skeptical of the man with his, hey, y'all, accent. And, and he sits her up on the chair, and he pulls her, her shoes off, and he like points at her feet, and he goes, see, I knew it. And I go, you know what? And he goes, that's Guillain-Barre. And he goes, even more specific, that's acute motor axonal neuropathy. Mm. And I said, how do you know? And he said, because it has a really definite foot drop. He goes, I mean, we'll do the test. I can send you to a neurologist to confirm. He goes, but that's Guillain-Barre. He knew what it was. Immediately. And I said, how do you know? And he said, do you know who gets acute motor axonal neuropathy? And I said, no. And he said, little girls in China. Oh. And I just started laughing. And I was like, well, little girls in China. Okay. We're in Texas. And, Hello. Uh, and he goes, no, I treat acute motor axonal neuropathy every two years when I go on mission trips to China. Oh, amazing. So he said, he goes, I'm going to prove it to you. And he takes a picture of her feet and he texts it. He goes, I'm going to send this to my neurologist friend that goes on mission trips with me. And so he sends the picture to his friend and not even 30 seconds later, his phone rings. And his neurologist, he puts it on speaker, and his neurologist friend goes, you SOB, are you in China without me? <laughs> <laughs> and I just looked at him, and he said, I told you. That's yeah. a human axonal neuropathy. And sure enough, that's what it was. It was just an unusual presentation, but it took somebody outside of the mm. pediatric system and somebody who had seen it. It's extremely rare in the United States. And that helped you a great deal to really understand where was this coming from, why was this happening, and, and how, to, how to help her. Well, it ended up that it was a side effect of the medication that she was on for her arthritis mm. and that it was a known side effect, but it was an extremely rare one. Mm. And so he connected all of the dots and he had looked up the medication and saw that this was a side effect and put two and two together. And when he looked at her feet, he said, oh, there it is. I've seen it before. Incredible. So, you know, what are the odds? The only doctor in the whole Dallas area who's seen 30 or 40 cases in China. And Our Lady Endure of Knots, you know, really Endure, opened that Endure up. Not, yep. That's, that's our girl. So my son broke his foot, and we ended up with answers. Answers. Answers to questions that you needed as a mom. We did. We did. And, she, and my daughter, I said, so how do you feel now that you, you know? And she goes, 
I always knew there was a reason. <laughs> so, mm, so accepting. I always knew there was a reason. We were going to find it eventually. Well, we continue to pray for her. Well, thank you. Yeah. Amazing person. Amazing. And, you you know, all of these experiences and, you know, coming back into the community of the church, coming from, you know, broken, fractured family life, became a lot of the impetus for you to write a book that is out now by our Sunday visitor called Can We Be Friends? And I, I love the title. I love the whole book. I read it so quickly. I think friendship in general, whether it's you have faith or no faith, um, but especially from a point of faith, is so critical. The people that we surround ourselves with, the people who pray us to our destiny, the people who champion us and the people that we are called to stand in the gap for is so critical and yet so not talked about as if church people were supposed to kind of like look up and be friends with everyone in heaven, but not really quite master, especially in the age of technology, how to really have deep, authentic relationships. And you, Rebecca, have written the book on this, and I think it is really fascinating. Talk a little bit about what brought you to write this book, and, and then we can just dive into it. And, and you're my Chick-fil-A friend. You kind of label, like, the different friends, you know, and I think it's I so do. funny. I, I, do. I, I, I love that. Friends, but you are my Chick-fil-A friend, and for people who wonder why, it's because <laughs> the first time we met, I took Alexis to Chick-fil-A. We were at a writer's conference, and I was like, hey, you hungry? You want to go get lunch? There's Chick-fil-A down the road. (laughs) But, yes, so I became really fascinated. My oldest daughter is in college studying neuroscience and um, wants to go into uh, neuropsychology, which people, I'm sure, are like, what is that? It's the study of the physical effect of mental illness on the brain, Mm. which she's so much smarter than I'll ever be. So she and I were talking about this, and she had taken all of these psychology classes as a part of her neuroscience And she said, you know, Mom, people are reporting and and talking about, all these doctors are talking about these record levels of loneliness that everyone is reporting. And and it's just, it's become a thing that's in almost every, every journal, how disconnected everybody feels and how lonely they all feel. And I thought, yes, because I'm pretty lonely and disconnected. We had moved here about five years ago from Oklahoma and left family and friends behind. Mm. And I mean, I'm an extreme extrovert. I talk to everybody. (laughs) I know, right? What? And after five years, still had not managed to find my people in Dallas. And there's a lot of people here. I can relate to that. Yeah. A move will do it to you. That was my experience going to Florida. It was like the loneliest place I'd ever been. It, it really does because you just, you've ripped the foundation out from under you and you don't realize it until you're on the ground and you go, oh my gosh, where did my people go? Where are my people? Right. Where are my people? Right. And everybody's so busy and it's, so I, I became really fascinated with this, this whole idea of an epidemic of loneliness and about a year and a half ago started researching because I'm a giant nerd. So I start researching and reading PhD papers and all kinds of things and sitting up late into the evening doing research and trying to figure out why this is. And the long story short is modern life and the way we live actually is almost like if you were going to design a way to isolate people and make them lonely and make them feel completely just on their own, mm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and to have no support and no anything, you couldn't design anything better than the way that we live these days. Yeah. And I just love how you kind of characterize some of the different types of friends that that are in your life um you know from like your your bff type friends and and your holy friends and gosh i remember my my mom when i moved to florida i mean i spent like that first year i was so lonely i just did everything by myself and i was used to having so many people around me in boston and at one point you know i was ready to just kind of hang it up and she said oh no we're gonna pray for 
you know, holy women, you know, for the holy women, for holy friendship. And I'm like, there are no holy women here. What are you talking about? And she's like, my mother was so persistent about this. She said, no, 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 I'm going to be praying for the holy women. They're coming, you know, they're coming. And sure enough, it was probably like maybe six months later, I met, it was just a divine point of grace, you know, two of the most um, unbelievable women in my life to this day. And they've been in my life you know, for like 15 years and they're my sisters. They're like spiritual mothers and like thick and thin to the wall, you know, but it it really, it it just kind of proved to me that, you know, it's not a hopeless thing, but like we can actually pray for God to send us holy friendship. Absolutely. My guest is Rebecca Freck. Her book is Can We Be Friends by Our Sunday Visitor. You should all pick it up. Thanks so much, Becky, for being here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much to all of you Mary's Touch listeners. I'm Alexis Walkenstein. God love you. God bless you. This program is produced by Mary's Touch, a nonprofit corporation dedicated to bringing you the love of Mary and her son, Jesus. If you have questions, comments, or a story to share, Write to us at Mary's Touch, P.O. Box 341991, Austin, Texas, 78734, or email radio at marystouch.org. For more stories or to find out more about Mary, visit our website at marystouch.org. Hello, this is international Catholic singer Anna Nuzzo, inviting you to join me and Father Dan Cambra of the Marian Fathers on a select international tour's Divine Mercy pilgrimage to Poland and the Czech Republic. It takes place in September of 2019, and we would love for you to join us. For more information, go to my website, AnnaNuzzo.com. Thank you, and God bless. Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com Featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith Not just a profile picture For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com And the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website Is ready to help single Catholics take the next step In sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics Remember, CatholicSingles.com for faith fellowship, and love.